Welcome in, everyone. This is Job Hoppers, a show that Melanie Manko and I are creating. My name is Jesse Bartko, and we're both actually executive recruiters for LHH Recruitment Solutions. Melanie joined the team about a year ago, almost at this point. She joined in November of 2021, myself in January of 2022. So both of us relatively green and new to the whole remote working situation. And Mel, do you want to just go ahead and tell a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thanks, Jess. Uh, so as Jesse said, I started in this position about a year ago. Uh, prior to this position, I actually worked in the automotive industry. So I was a finance manager um, at a store out of Connecticut, and that's actually where I met Jesse. Uh, and, you know, it was actually my first position out of school. And I think that a lot of people could kind of resonate with that first job search. And it's just one of the topics of many that we'll, we'll want to discuss, right? Like entry level jobs, when you see, okay, well, this job needs one to two years experience. How are you going to, to qualify for a job as such? So we want to not only couple our personal experiences, but also everything that we've learned in recruiting thus far um, and share, right? I think that the amazing part of having social media is just being able to connect and share ideas. And that's where, uh, that's where Jesse and I come in. Yeah, and uh, a little bit about me, uh, similar to Mel's story, we're both, uh, we both graduated and got jobs at car dealerships. Um, my my story sort of starts a little earlier at a Dodge dealership, which was uh, not the most professional setting. It was a very much a, you know, a retail job, but a little more asking people to spend just a little more money. Um, the best thing about my transition to BMW is was I got that step in my career towards a more, you know, suit and tie sort of situation, a more business professional. We weren't wearing polos, we were wearing suits. And the whole sales process was a lot more formal. We treated our clients like clients, not customers. And that's sort of a big thing for me, you know, going into recruiting is you're treating your candidates and your clients like true business partners. They're they're coming into, you know, your sort of um, space and trusting you with their resume and their their future really at the end of the day. The only sort of step that I guess Mel and I have different is I started as an, at an advertising agency in March of 2020. Um, and after my first week, after a trial run of a remote situation on a Friday, they called me on a Sunday and said, well, your, your services are no longer needed. We're going fully remote. And that set me back quite a bit, but it did lead me to, to BMW and then eventually to LHH where Mel recruited me in. And again, sort of similar um, scenario to Mel that I want to really, you know, help people, whether they, you know, just graduated school or are, you know, in their mid to late 20s and want to do a career shift. That happens quite often. And it's not talked about enough these days. And, you know, the big question, right? Like, why did we decide to do this podcast? And why did we name it Job Hoppers out of everything? I think that nowadays there's like such negative uh, association, right? With the words job hoppers. Um, it, people may think employers see it automatically, kind of want to push their resume to the side. Some candidates actually, you know, stay in certain positions that they don't enjoy because they don't want to be seen as a job hopper. But 
I think like the bigger picture here is to kind of recognize why people are moving positions so often and what it really means moving forward, right? 10 years from now, will it be the new norm? Will it start to be a little more socially acceptable or will job hoppers always have this bad, uh, bad name to them? <laughs> and, and just to be clear for you know everyone listening this is completely our opinions and we do yeah. we do research and obviously we live in the in the job market every day but at the end of the day take everything that we say think upon it yourself and form your own opinions we can offer any sort of support to anyone listening but we can't give them an answer because there is no answer these days and that's that's the fun of i guess the job market in the future of future of work for everyone in the world yeah, definitely. And I think that, uh, you know, as more and more people start to watch and listen into our conversations, we're very open to questions or topics that need to be addressed, you know, within the employment market market. I think that our background, right, we've almost been a year in executive recruiting. Um, a little bit of background on that is that as an executive recruiter, you're not only sourcing candidates, right? You're not only kind of trying to recruit for specific jobs, but we actually hold those job orders, which means that we reach out to hiring managers, controllers, CFOs, um, executives to try and almost earn their business, right? Like why should they work with Jesse and I as opposed to other recruiters in the market? And I think the feedback that we get from candidates mixed with the feedback we get from clients we have a lot of insight as to what employers are looking for what candidates are looking for and we want to give all of this information and and kind of keep people up to date with the ever-changing employment market and mel i think we should start off by talking about remote work and one of the most recent trends on linkedin these days is the quiet quitting Exactly. So quiet quitting is something I want to say in like the past week or so that has made headlines. Um, from my understanding, quiet quitting isn't necessarily like not showing up to work or, you know, keeping your laptop closed. I think it really has to do with more remote opportunities as opposed to like the more hybrid or in-office opportunities. And from what I've read, it's like, people not really wanting to go the extra mile with their jobs. They're not really striving to improve or do better. They're almost like settling at the at the bare minimum. Is that your understanding, Jess? The, the bare minimum sometimes doesn't even happen, I feel like. It's, it's being signed on, in my opinion, at least what I've understood about it so far, is it's being signed on but not being present. Camera off and during meetings. You know, distracted at work. If you have a second computer open that runs, you know, gaming applications or other social media applications, you may be more inclined to do that than focus on the work at hand. And and having never worked a remote role and coming into that, that's a huge distraction for me. And I, you know, I try to keep my my second computer off for a majority of the day until I, you know, either take my lunch or am winding down my day and need music or whatever it might be to sort of stay in touch with my personal life. Um, that's that's sort of the key on that part. And the quiet quitting by by no means you're leaving your job. Some people, they either feel complacent in their job, so they just want to do the bare minimum or almost nothing at all, collect their paycheck and keep continuing to sort of 
do nothing and get by. Other people, it stems from so much more. It can stem from you not being happy in your career and you thinking that, you know, this isn't for me. So you start working less, you start doing less of the required tasks and you start looking for other jobs. And yes, everyone in the world has probably been guilty of looking at other jobs while working from between the hours of their, between their working hours at new jobs. And that's that's OK. Looking at other jobs is totally OK. Like, I'm never going to say don't be in touch with the market. But the key is to to continue to work as hard as you can within your normal working hours or if you need to work a little more like whatever you were previously assigned to. So I don't know, for me, I guess the question I have is, do you think there's more and more people like quiet quitting because of the lack of communication between managers? Because mm. like in a fully remote position, right? And you can't just walk by your manager's desk and ask for more work or ask a question, right? You have to kind of set up a meeting with them. And from, from your perspective, maybe you're saying like, okay, well, I checked all of the boxes of my to-do list today. I'm all set. I work from home, time to like coast for the rest of the day. Like, do you think that's okay? Do you think it's more just lack of communication? I think that there is a lack of communication in remote work. There right. is limited, the, the issue that you run into in remote work, and this happens for everyone from a sales job to a network developer to you know web design and every single field is affected by this there is that lack of i can go knock on my manager's door go sit at their desk go talk to them immediately there's that not you know there's no immediate response there's a delay in everything you do and is that a pitfall of remote work in some ways yes we're in an organization that's fortunate enough where the everyone utilizes micro, uh, Microsoft Teams, so responses are pretty quick. I know that there's other options out there. Some some organizations use Slack, which is a very similar uh, system. Some even use uh, Discord, which is actually a gaming or designed for gamers, but works well with organizations. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's a little bit of a social aspect that plays a part in that. That's a hurdle. But the fact that we're not capable of going to our manager immediately and getting an answer that we need for an example in recruiting is if i have a candidate if i have a high high level candidate that i'm not 100 percent sure how to market and i need a second opinion yes i can turn to mel but you know she has just about as much experience as i do and our our manager should be the first turn rather than another senior um, executive recruiter to answer our questions right exactly and i think that the luxury you and I had was that once we graduated school, we were working in office, right? And mm -hmm. a lot of people I know are capable of, you know, working from home and kind of learning and just kind of being in their own bubble. But I think that you and I learned a lot by just listening. And especially starting out in your career, you don't really have that ability to just listen in the background of how people ask things, how they may communicate with different personalities and you miss out on it, you know, and, and um, you know, you're always able to join different meetings to learn, you know, beyond different uh, visits with clients and things like that. But I think the in-person aspect definitely has like a big effect in that way. And, um, that's, not, and that's not to say that remote work is you learn less. 
mm-hmm. it more I, and I agree with you completely. It, it, you're yeah. what you're, I think, hinting at is that it's on it's on the employee really, right? That you have to actively go out and ask your senior um, your senior recruiters in our case or your senior uh, colleagues your managers, your uh, whoever's above your manager, if you can sit in on meetings, if you can sit in on their calls and see what they're doing on a daily basis. I mean, we're at we're in a technology world where you can literally sit and watch what they're doing on their screen. Right. You're not limited to to just looking at their face like you are for us now, but you're you're able to actually go in and watch what they're doing, you know, whether you be a web designer, like I said, and you can sort of see how they're processing everything and going through everything or you're an accountant and you have to see how to you know how to book entries and how each program is you're capable of actually going in and looking at a senior colleague's screen Mm -hmm. but you have to seek it out that's the key right and i think just kind of realizing right um that we're in a generation where we text more than we call I don't care what anyone says. If you're between the ages of 20 to like, I don't know, 30 even, or even younger, I don't know. More people are picking up their phone to send a message than to call someone. So I think just not having that person to person interaction has left people just kind of like sitting at home in quiet, like, okay, well, what's next? Like, can I get away with just coasting for the rest of the day, like my manager, like, and it's the weirdest thing, right? You know, your manager is in office, right? If you're there, you see her. But nowadays it's super impersonal where you're like, oh, okay, well they've been away for however long, right? On teams or whatever program that you use. And I think that, that just gets into people's heads where they're like, okay, you know, no one's over my shoulder. I'm in my, my safe, comfortable space. And that's when you really start to see people not moving the needle. They're really just at that point, like coasting through their jobs. And, you know, it it could be like a lack of drive. It could be a lack of um, kind of direction in a way. Right. Um, But yeah, I mean, I really love to hear, you know, how everyone else feels about quiet quitting and just to be like completely transparent, you know, if you fall under that umbrella, but like deep down, you know that you are a hard worker, you have the work ethic. It's just like this weird kind of funk that you're in. You know, we'd love to just hear stories about how remote work has affected you, you know? And I think on the on the flip side of that is how have if you found yourself quiet quitting, even, you know, subconsciously, and you sort of pulled yourself out of it. What what tactics did you do? How have you brought yourself back into your job? Or did you say, OK, well, I got everything I can out of this job. It's time for me to move on. And that mm-hmm. can happen in remote jobs within the first six months. Right. And that's right. OK. And I think we need to make sure that as a you know as a generation we're okay with people working at a job for six months mm-hmm. it doesn't show as long as they weren't fired for negligence or anything and they can pull a reference that's the key is if you leave a company even if you're let go you need to still be able to pull a reference and you need to be that model employee because maybe that wasn't the job for you and when you meet with your next hiring manager you need to be able to express that and say hey I, 
I tried out XYZ and it wasn't for me, but right. I can still pull a reference from my manager if you need to talk to them and they could tell you about how I am as an employee. Right, because if you are considered a job hopper, not saying it in a negative way, <laughs> then you really need someone else to kind of back up that move, right? You did X, great. You did Y, okay. You need a little work on Z, but like these are the reasons why you should hire this person. And those references go a long way. We see them close many, many deals in recruiting, right? Like if you're really trying to um, solidify a candidate's place in the running, you want to proactively get references and give it to the to, to the new hiring manager, right? To, to kind of speak to the items that aren't necessarily listed on your resume, right? Like you, your resume is almost like a, um, like a job description. And, and we can kind of get into that like on a whole other episode, but the conversations that we have with hiring managers, like they can see your resume. They want to know what else, right? And that's, those are the words and, and summaries and write-ups that Jesse and I create when we are submitting a candidate for a position. They want to know your soft skills. They want to know if you work well in a team, especially if the if the team-oriented environment is important for that firm. Like they want to know your communication style. They want to know how you handle adversity. And like these aren't necessarily things that you would list on your resume. So who can speak to those? The recruiters can, right? But the hiring manager knows that, okay, we're getting paid, right? This is our job. Of course, we want our candidate placed. But the references, they really have nothing to, no, no leg in the game, right? They're kind of doing it out of the goodness um, of their um, of their hearts. So it's, it's more, there's more room for like transparency in that way, um, especially since references are always confidential, right? Like no one's gonna share what feedback they, gave, they got or gave. Uh, so I think that always when you are in a position um, from the first day, even from the interview process, like build those relationships, not to say that you need three references from one job, but build a connection with someone higher up, whether it be uh, like a manager or a supervisor, or maybe someone that is supervisory in another department that you collaborated with. You know, you want to start those connections early on and get their insight as to, okay, this person excels at this. This person is a little weak on these topics. You know what I mean? Um, what are your thoughts, Jess? I think I completely agree with you. I know I did. The the key to getting a reference is not being, you know, a, a suck up or kiss the, you know, what of your manager, but to be a good employee. And and that means so many different things these days because companies are are worried as much about money as they are about the people that they employ. The the fact that we're able as a working force for it, I would say, I mean, I'm I'm not sure the exact number, but it's it's way up there in hybrid schedules. It's probably over 80% of jobs right now, at least, you know, um, college degreed jobs or jobs that require a college degree are mostly hybrid for the most part. And it could be one day a week or it could be one day a week in office. It, and the key is to just do your job well and be present at every single event that happens. 
And I'm not talking about out of office events like cocktail hours and things like that. That's great if you show up. But if you have personal obligations, that's totally understandable. And most managers will understand that. But if you're on camera every single day, if you get dressed well for every single meeting, if you're wearing a collared shirt, even on remote days, and to be honest, it doesn't matter what you wear on your bottom half because no one's ever going to see that as long as you don't stand up. Jesse and I aren't going to stand up. <laughs> it's true. I won't stand up right now. It's not inappropriate, but it's not professional. And right. that's that's the key. And if you're the type of person that in order to be professional at home needs to get dressed every single day from head to toe, put on, you know, put on a jacket if you have to and actual suit pants, then do that. Make sure as especially in a as a younger professional, you're going to want to make the best impression because your resume can only get you so far with experience. The reference is going to be what pushes pushes you over the edge and of course you yourself will. And I think that it's really important to not just hit your KPIs if you're, you know, in a sales role or any sort of role that requires KPIs or anything that is trackable, but as much have those intangible skills, have those soft skills that Mel was talking about. Be be personable. If your manager um, texts you on Teams or texts you your phone, the best thing to do instead of texting them back and your if your question's long or your answer is long, call them, explain to them. That's going to resonate with them. The fact that you didn't just type back a message really quick, like a yes or no, you called them, asked them about the question they had or figured out what's going to happen. So that way you're avoiding that back and forth. Not only did you just cut your communication down or time down to a couple of minutes from what could have been over an hour if the manager stepped away, <laughs> but you're able to actually show your face to them and make a name. And then they're going to remember, you know, if Mel calls our manager, our manager is going to remember, oh, Mel called me about that issue while Jesse just texted me. Mm -hmm. That's going to push Mel higher up on a reference list than me. And it's it's so important when you're looking for a new job, whether you know, you've worked at a job for six months, a year, two years, three years, five years, whatever it might be you're still putting yourself ahead of those other people and being more memorable. So that way, when your manager gets a call from the hiring manager, like, oh, Jesse, he did this, this and this for me. Or, oh, Mel, she did that that one time. Like, that was great. That's going to push you over the edge over other candidates who get a call from who call their manager and they say, yeah, they showed up every day. That's not a good reference, whether or not it's positive or negative. It's kind of just neutral. And that's what you want to avoid. It's almost better to get a, a a neutral reference than obviously a negative one, but I would rather have no reference than a neutral or negative. Right. A, ne right. a neutral reference proves to them that you're not capable of showing up. Mm -hmm. I don't know about, about your thoughts on that, but. Yeah, I mean, references that are eh, right? Like on a scale from one to 10, maybe like, or lower, it almost relays the message to the new hiring manager that maybe your candidacy is kind of eh, right? Like you didn't wow anyone. You didn't leave an impression. And I think that no reference is just as bad, right? Like why would you want someone describing you in like one word answers or just saying, yeah, they were good. Yeah, they got the job done right? It's just, it kind of, 
I don't know, it doesn't really, really sit well. And, and I'm sure for hiring managers that are listening to these calls, like waiting to say, oh, wow, you know, they look great on paper. How did they do working for you? If there isn't that same, like there's not a match and level of excitement, then I don't think, you know, it's a solid reference. You really want someone that's like 10 out of 10 on your team. We'll go to bat for you. We'll sell you, you know, sell your candidacy and, um, you know, put you ahead, right? But, I think the best yeah. reference I ever got was from an, a high level, like borderline C-suite person in a company. Yeah. And they were talking about my candidate and they said, whoever hires him will be lucky to have him. Yeah. And that that's that's a reference you want. That's the reference that's going to get you a job. Yeah, totally. And I guess. OK, so you kind of going back to our topic, right? Quiet quitting. You're reading all these news articles. You're like, oh, shit, I'm a quiet quitter. What do you do at that point? Right. And I think that just realizing, OK, maybe I've been slipping or falling into this weird funk is the first step. Just kind of realizing, like, maybe I'm maybe I am underperforming. Maybe I'm just doing the bare minimum. Maybe by logging off at five every day on the dot or logging in at, at nine any, every day, I'm not really kind of expanding what my position could do. Um, so like one of the things I was reading in uh, in Atomic Habits, I don't know if you've read it, Jess. Actually, I think I have it here. <laughs> this isn't a plug, but James Clear, Atomic Habits, great book. One of the things I learned is like just setting up yourself. For example, if you feel like you're not really accomplishing much or you are kind of groggy in the morning, you're literally waking up at 8.59, opening your laptop and just like logging into Teams. I know people are guilty of this. Um, it's really setting up the habits before you need to go to work. You wake up, you eat your favorite breakfast, you watch your favorite show, right? Like the things we used to do when we were kids, put yourself in a good mental place instead of just rolling out of bed and logging on. You're already doing the bare minimum. And I think that is really for people who are quiet quitting. I feel like that is a commonality, right? Right. And I think that that's the best starting point is yeah. figuring out if it's truly an, a work issue or it's an, a personal issue. Right. Because right. if you wake up at 8.59 and roll out of bed and open your laptop, there is no way you're applying yourself. Right. I don't care. You could be the most productive person in the world. I When I wake up, I need at least an hour every yeah. single day to sort of come, come to terms with being out of bed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the key really is, you know, when you were in the office, at least when I was in the office, I got up, I had to be in, you know, Technically, nine o'clock was the start time, right? I would get in about 8.15 every single morning. That would mean I would leave my house at 7.15. Like, that's a full commute. That's a transition from personal time to work time. That's yeah. lost in remote work. And it's the same thing. You know, we were taught in schools that were in person. We weren't taught online. Mm -hmm. We woke up, we went to class. So we were able to segment and compartmentalize Right. the the personal side and the and the work side that's a little right. lost with remote work and it takes a step that goes above and beyond and to your point one of the best things about 
remote work is that I'm able to wake up and make myself a nice breakfast. Mm -hmm. That's huge. And it increases your, your mental feelings. Yeah. It makes you feel so much better when you have whatever your favorite breakfast is, when you can actually cook an egg in the morning, as opposed to having microwaved oatmeal in the office. <laughs> exactly. Morning. And like eating over your laptop and rushing yourself, like enjoy your mornings. I think you just need to set up your, your days better. And like the cloud that a lot of people are feeling where they're like, what am I doing? Is this right for me? You know, I don't really enjoy because there's no really interaction, right? There's no kind of banter back and forth in the office. You're not making coffees with anyone. The fact that we've lost that, I think we really need to kind of like clear out the clouds and just kind of reshift and refocus, um, especially with this new kind of stigma of, of quiet quitting and maybe like the age groups that it it, it generally appeals to. I think that we just ha as a as a whole just need to kind of like see remote work from a different perspective. In in your 20s, everyone sort of struggles to figure out who they are and what they want to do for the rest of their life because that's mm -hmm. that's a hard decision. You have to realize that. Right. And there are people who are completely okay, you know, making making what they make and supporting themselves and one day, you know, marrying someone and having a family, whatever it might be, whatever their choices, that is totally okay. And if you want to be like that, maybe remote work's not the best unless, you know, you find a job where you can do kind of almost nothing and get by. Yeah. Obviously, you won't move up within a company or anything like that. But if you're truly not interested in what you're doing and you're working remotely, it doesn't give you an excuse to sort of slow down and step back. Right. right. You know, first, if you've identified that it's not a personal issue and you're not just sort of, you know, Oh, I work from home. I can wake up at 8:59. Mm -hmm. If you if you get past that, the next step is to really look at what you're doing, the content of your work, and yeah. seeing if it's for you for long term. Right, of course. And I mean, that's really where Jesse and I come in as well. I tell my candidates, I'm like, what do you? I mean, what do you want to do? Do you know what are your interests? Right. Instead of me kind of telling them like, oh, you'd be great for this position. You'd be great for this. I, I want to do the best that I can and just learning who that person is and help them make the right decisions to paint the picture on the resume, right? Like, why did you go from this job to this job? What makes sense? You know, before taking this job, you should be thinking of the following two jobs that you can get afterwards, right? Just to, to kind of get people's minds in motion and, and stop kind of living in the now, like, okay, this job is good for me right now for the next six months, the next year, it'll pay the bills. Like you don't want that to be the end all be all, right? You you get definitely get stuck want- stuck in that. Yeah. Pretty quick. Get stuck in that, yeah, definitely. Um, but that is like a whole other topic we can get into. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as that whole quiet quitting goes, is if you recognize all everything that you've sort of gone through and you've gone through the process of recognizing that, you're not doing the, the most you can possibly doing you. It's not a personal thing. It's a job thing. It's OK. It's yeah. totally OK to start to look for other jobs. You just yeah. need to really apply yourself while you're looking for other jobs, because the worst case scenario is, you know, you moved out of your parents house, you're paying. You just signed a year long lease because you got this cool job. You're three months into it, four months into it, and it's not for you. And you stop and you start doing that quiet quitting. The worst thing that could happen is you get fired. You now have rent to pay mm -hmm. and no job. 
Right. That's that's what'll set you back, and that's the scary part. And it's okay that it's scary. Right. But right. you just have to face it and go through it. Right. Exactly. So I think really it's just kind of like setting yourself up to be in a place that, you know, it might not be your dream job or something that you are just enamored by. Right. It's a job at the end of the day. But as long as you can say, you know what, I learned this today and this was my win for today. And like these are the things I really appreciate in this job. And these are the things I'm not too fond of. By, by even writing them down in a journal, right? The things you like, the things you don't like, it'll help in the job search because reading through the responsibilities, you can even tell yourself, okay, well, you know, they're, they're working with this amount of volume of invoices, for example, I've done this many and like, I don't think I could handle that or I don't think I'm really interested in doing so. I think that, and you know, we can kind of get into this at a, in another episode too, right? People just kind of like apply to jobs blindly just to send their resumes out, not even aligning with really any type of requirement or qualifications. And it's like, I think that there just needs to be a little bit more connection between between positions and, you know, what people are looking for. I think that that starts from a much different perspective or much different avenue than we want to go down today just because you know currently gen z is coming into the market we'll probably Mm -hmm. talk about this next time yeah and what (laughs) what they want and all that but comparing it from 30 40 years ago there's more jobs today and than there were years ago partly because technology is increasing so people need to Mm -hmm. maintain that those databases and things like that that never existed 30 40 years ago right and also we're at a, we're in an age where all the basic jobs, all the basic data entry and things like that are all automated now. We hear about it all the time in the accounting and finance field. Oh, I figured out how to automate this. You're they're almost we're almost solving the solution for our own jobs mm-hmm. as we sort of go through our process. And right. that the next part of the world is so unknown and there's so many avenues to go down that people do apply to jobs that are outside of their scope because they feel as though they need to try. And yes, of course, I, I would suggest trying everything. No, I don't think if you're a bio major, you're going to get a job as an accountant right out of school. But not impossible. You know, not <laughs> impossible. We've you know we've seen crazier and you start at a small company getting experience. That still means a lot. But in some fields, it does hold you back not having that degree. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I just kind of want to like tie this up and and um, have it come full circle. But you know, the goal that Jesse and I have for the Job Hopper podcast is really to appeal to the millennial Gen Z job hunters, right? And and job hoppers in the market right now. I think that like between our personal experiences and also those of the candidates and clients that we speak with, we're very open-minded and we want to kind of provide as much insight on current events or topics as we can from the lens of not only, right, a millennial, but also the lens of a recruiter, right, a professional. And um, we hope that, you know, our points come across 
clearly and that you guys know our intentions are always, you know, are always good and positive. Um, but we always appreciate any feedback or questions that you guys may have and, and would like to see. So. And for the record, we're starting this completely almost on a whim. Mel, oh my gosh. Mel told me yesterday or two days ago, she's like, let's start a podcast. And I said, yes, I'm always down. <laughs> we're working off of our off of our laptops with no professional mics, no professional equipment whatsoever. Yeah. So hopefully that'll slowly improve and we'll get a, a much more formal system. But our plan is to record on Friday and have it out of uh, production by Monday morning. So that way on your commute, when you wake up in the morning, you can take a listen and sort of see what happened in the past week. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I guess that wraps up the first episode. I want to say that was fun, huh? It was. I can't complain <laughs> with how it went either. <laughs> awesome. Well, I hope everyone has an amazing week at work. Um, you can find Jesse and I both on LinkedIn. Our contact information is there. And, you know, we're, we're happy to help in any capacity.